Hey friends at Christ Hold Fast, good to be with you here this morning again. I wasn't with you last week, uh, I was actually with my best friend in Phoenix. Um, I just recently turned 40 and as a gift for my 40th birthday my wife bought me a plane ticket to go visit my friend and so last week I was uh, hanging out with him and having a great grand old time. And uh, this week I am back in the office, so I'm glad to be with you. We're actually finishing out the Book of Ruth today. We're, we're finishing this one out. So if you have any ideas or any books you'd like to go over in the near future, I'm more than open to your ideas or your suggestions. I'm happy to consider them. Uh, just leave them in the comments here if you'd like. Um, I'm not quite sure what I'm going to do yet, so I really am open to what you uh, might suggest. Okay, let's uh, review Ruth now, and then we'll come to the very end and read um, uh, the last part of the passage or the last part of the book. So uh, what happens in the story of Ruth? Very, very quick synopsis. Uh, Naomi and her two daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah, are um, kind of stuck in this bad spot. All their husbands are dead. They're not sure uh, how they're going to make ends meet. And so Naomi decides, well, I guess I'm going to go back to my home country, Israel, to live in Bethlehem. Maybe I can find some help there. Uh, Ruth decides to follow her. And in the process of following her there, it does turn out that there is somebody that can take care of them. Somebody known as a redeemer, a man named Boaz. And uh, by the time we get to the fourth chapter, Boaz has done everything necessary to redeem the property that Naomi's husband would have had and also the daughter-in-law, Ruth, to be his wife. And so everything is set, and now we come to verse 13, where it says, So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then the, wo the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a Redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. And I'm going to stop there, even though we could go on all the way to the end and verse, to verse 22. The only reason why is because uh, basically verses 18 through 22 are just genealogy that sort of gets to the same point that we just ended on. So that is the end of reading. What do we find out here? Well, I think we find out here in the, in the closing a few facts about uh, redemption, and specifically what it looks like when God does redeem people. Boaz, again, remember, is this Christ figure to us in this story. He's this messianic figure, and uh, Jesus says that the entire scriptures are ultimately about him, and so we look to see the person of Christ in all that we come across. And, and the first thing I notice about redemption in this story is that it provides restoration. Through this redemption, the barren widow, Ruth, will now carry on the line. 
and life is restored to her and Naomi. That's one of the words used to describe um, the, this whole situation when the, the women say, He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. God is in the business of making something out of nothing. Matter of fact, Luther has all sorts of great stuff about this, especially in his Heidelberg Disputation. If you ever get a chance to read it, it's not long. I'd advise you would because it'll give you a real framework for how God works in his world. And oftentimes where he works is where things appear to be barren, where there appears to be no hope, where there appears to be nothing going for us. That's actually oftentimes where God is doing the most work. At the beginning of our story, we, we have to remember that Naomi said bitterly that she was empty. But now the Lord has filled her cup to overflowing. God has given her new life. The word actually for restore in our passage could literally be translated that statement, he who has caused life to return. He who has caused life to return. If you think about the whole thread of Scripture, this is one of God's favorite things to do. Some refer to it as the great reversal. Uh, others just uh, talk about it as God making something out of nothing. But think about Sarah and Abraham. Baron thought there was no chance of having a child. God says, not only are you going to have a child, but through that child, I'm going to bring about the Savior of the world. Uh, Rachel struggles to get pregnant. Elizabeth it, thinks she's barren. She ends up getting uh, John giving birth to John the Baptist. I mean, there, there's so many examples of this because God is again in the business of restoration. And so too for us. Through Jesus, we are given restoration because of the redemption price he's paid for us. So 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. As a result of being enslaved to our sinful nature, we, like Naomi, have been left empty and without hope in the world. We have disobeyed our father, our maker, and have fled from him. But the Bible says that God has done everything necessary for each one of our lives to be redeemed. He, therefore, is our owner. Now, for those, like Ruth and Naomi, that know they can't take care of themselves without someone else's help, without a Redeemer, I think this is quite a comforting thought. That we're owned by him, that we're bought by him, that we're bought with a price, as Paul says. Jesus promises to take care of those who call on him, giving them life, giving them hope, and restoring them to a right relationship with God. Hallelujah in every way. That's great news. On the other hand, though, there are those who refuse their need for help, refuse to see their need for a Redeemer. And for those folks, the thought that God owns them is actually a little scary, uh, maybe even a little angering. I have seen people react angrily to that idea. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Christopher Hitchens. He's gone now. He died, but he was pretty outspoken atheist and wrote a number of books uh, as to why he didn't have faith. 
And I can remember watching him in interviews get very upset at just the very idea of a God over him. He really, really hated that concept of somebody watching him and holding him accountable. And I think one of the great illustrations of sort of that mindset uh, is in the movie Crimes and Misdemeanors. I won't give away anything, even though it's 30-plus years old, I think. But in that film, there's a man who is guilty of murdering, and initially his conscience is driving him crazy, and he's terrified of being caught. And he has a dream in which he uh, has a flashback to his uh, father, his Jewish father in this case, saying, God is always watching you. He sees everything. And in the dream, he's running as fast as he can. And no matter where he runs, he can't escape from this gigantic eyeball behind him watching everything he does. And so for some, for some, the idea of God owning us or buying us back, redeeming us is actually not comforting at all, but it's actually uh, scary. And so the, the Holy Spirit really needs to change us to see that God and needs to reveal to us that God is not watching us or has not bought us in order to hurt us, but to take care of us and to love us and to bring life out of nothing to restore us. All right, let's move on. So how does one receive the redemption? the restoration that has been bought for them. Well, they received pretty much the same way Ruth did, I think, in this chapter. It appears that at least at the ceremony, right prior to the verses we read, where Boaz actually does pay the price for Ruth and the property to be her redeemer, it appears that she wasn't anywhere around. As a matter of fact, she seems to not have anything to do with the redemption at all. All she does is receive the redemption that Boaz provides and nothing else. Through just receiving the gift, she is allowed to be one of the very few people in history that is part of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. As Matthew reports in his gospel, Boaz fathers Obed by Ruth, and Obed fathers Jesse, and Jesse fathers David, the king. And from David, eventually, the Messiah comes. So too, this morning it is the same with all of us. Jesus has redeemed everyone with his life, death, and resurrection, and through this, we have been made right with God in relationship to him to be adopted into his family and to be restored. All we are asked to do is receive it. We weren't there when it was accomplished. We weren't there when God planned our redemption. We weren't there when he elected us. We weren't there. We just acknowledge, just say yes. That's the goal. <laughs> that's, the, that's God's will for us to say thank you sure i'll take this i'll take this redemption you you got it in the same way that ruth was called to turn away from her past life in moab and turn to a new life in god's country so we are called to turn our lives toward jesus for new life and restoration we're told to trust him for everything we need and to let him take care of our lives now because he has paid the price. It is finished.
And it had nothing to do with you. And it had nothing to do with whether you wanted it to be the case or not. It is finished. You are declared to be his brother, the father's son or daughter. You are redeemed. So with that, I hope you have a wonderful week, an encouraging week. And let me know in the comments if you have any ideas for the next book you'd like me to go over. Let me know. And uh, we'll see you next week. God bless.